Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Mental Illness, Mental Brilliance. I am T. Erica Patterson, your host, and we're discussing the link between mental health and personal success. Does lack of mental health affect your um, pursuit of personal of personal success? Well, we're exploring that today and every day on this podcast, so make sure you stay tuned. Today, I'm talking with a very special guest. It's a woman who has said that her past behaviors have caused a rift in her family, but she managed to push through it and work through it. And now she's very happy with her life. Let's talk to Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. So I'm so glad you joined us today because we we you wrote in and you let me know that you were experiencing some symptoms of OCD. Can you explain what that was like? Yeah, so OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, I first had symptoms when I was 13. So that's about um, how many years ago is that? F- 15 years ago. Um, and what happens is I was flicking light switches up and down. And every time I would leave or enter a room, I felt like I had to click the light switch or flick the light switch up and down numerous times. And on any given day, it would be a different number. And at one point, my mom finally called me out on it. And was like, why are you doing that? And I, I didn't really have an answer, except for I knew that I felt like something terrible was going to happen to either my house or a member of my family, someone I cared about if I didn't flick this light switch up and down. So that's the first obsessive compulsive behavior that I remember having. How old were you at that time? And that's when I was, that was probably when I was around 13. Oh, so this was a, and you're during your teenage years. Well, yes. how did your parents and family react to it? Did they tell you that you needed to get help? Yeah, so originally my my mom just started noticing that what was I doing with the lights? And so I knew something didn't feel totally right. I knew why was I thinking that something bad would happen if I if I didn't do this? And we have a pretty open family, but I was embarrassed and I didn't I didn't know why I was thinking this way. So I started doing some research on my own, googling things, and somehow I eventually stumbled upon uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. And so I took it to my mom and I, I told her, I, I think I have this. And the first thing that she said to me was actually pretty funny. Uh, she said, it's the devil. <laughs> and <laughs> so obviously that's not productive. Um, <laughs> we laugh about it now, uh, but that, that was the first step is, is doing some research on my own and, and coming up with something that I thought it might be. And so a few weeks later, she ended up taking me to my first uh, psychologist appointment. Uh, and so I, I was talking with the psychologist for a while to, to see if that's actually what was happening. And, and it was. Well, how did you feel about yourself during this time when you were having these behaviors? Did you think something was wrong with it? Or did your mom convince you and other people convince you that something was wrong? No, I, I think I knew. Um, I didn't want to be tapping the light switches. I didn't want to be having to wash my hands or run my hands under the water a certain amount of times. 
the thing about OCD is that you often know that it's not rational. Like this, this thing that's happening, you know it's not logical, but you can't stop because you feel like something terrible is going to happen and you can't explain why. Uh, so I, I was the one that sort of felt like something wasn't, wasn't right. Wow. So you know that something's not right. You're going to see a counselor. That's helping or not helping. What was it? Did, 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 it, did you get a great result? Did they offer you medication? What, what happened? So the first time I went to a counselor, I think it was a shorter, a shorter period. And they, we just found out, okay, this is what I have. It wasn't until, um, high school when I started going to one more seriously. I went to a psychiatrist and a psychologist um, when I was about 15. And we started looking at medicine. We started doing some different therapies like EMDR, which I can't remember what the acronym is for at the moment. Um, something with eye movement. And and I, I wasn't loving it. I hated being on medicine. Um, I didn't mind going and talking to a psychologist, but I didn't really feel like anything was helping at all. So now um, you've gone through treatments, you've tried different things, and this is at during your teen years. How yes. are you managing your life at this time? Is the behavior still continuing? Right now? After, after all of this, because so, so far in the story that we're, we're hearing, you haven't found a relief from the obsessive compulsive disorder. Have you ever right. found it? So I have now. Um, oh. It Yes, and, <laughs> which is great. So about three years ago, I quit a PhD program and I moved to Austin. And I, I stopped a few other things around the same time. I stopped eating gluten. I came off birth control. Um, I quit the PhD program. So effectively I switched jobs. And somewhere amidst all of that change, uh, my OCD has gotten better. I think the biggest difference has been a management in stress. Whenever I get stressed with work or something now, the triggers will, it, it serves as a trigger and it will flare up. But, but being able to feel like I have more control, just being able to manage my stress has caused a huge shift in, in what I feel like I have to do. Okay, so now, so from your teenage years until three years ago, I don't, you don't need to tell your age, but um, yeah. are you a fully developed adult now? <laughs> I am, yes, I'm almost 30. Okay, so you're almost 30 now. You said three years ago, you just did a, oh, that makes sense. Because I, I heard about this, uh, it's called the Saturn Return. And between the ages of 27 to 30, your life just flips, turns upside down and repositions itself for the next part of your life. And that's exactly the age where things started changing for you. And you made those changes consciously and now you don't feel so out of control. Is that correct? That, that sounds about right. All right. So now tell us about your life. Reintroduce yourself and um, tell us who you are now and what you're doing with your brilliance. Yeah, so I am a strategic positioning and storytelling consultant for healthcare companies. So I work for myself uh, in Austin and um, I, I love what I do. I'm super passionate about helping people change up healthcare and making sure that they're connecting with patients. Um, so that's what I do by day. And then I also love 
cooking. So cooking has become sort of it's a therapy in its own right uh, and a stress reliever at night for me. So I make sure I stick to doing that. And what else do I do? I, I spend my weekend on my bike and make room for a lot of time for me because I know I need it to reduce stress. Mm, okay. All right. Well, for those who are listening who are dealing with OCD symptoms that maybe match to where you were when you were younger, what can you say to them about living life with it and managing it? Because it didn't seem to slow you down at all. You still pursued all of your education. You were working on your PhD. You had a good job at the time. You still had family. How did you manage to get it up until the point where you said, okay, I want to change my life now. What did you do? So, so during my college years, it was actually, it was really bad. The, the one behavior of having to count turned into countless other things. I was having to flip pages back and forth. I was having to type. And if I didn't type the sentence correctly, I would have to backspace to a certain letter that had significance. Um, I was afraid of wearing blue panties of all things. Um, Mm. I felt like something bad would happen. And so what started as one behavior grew into all of these other behaviors that really did slow me down. It would take me 15 to 20 more minutes getting ready in the morning, counting how many times I was, you know, uh, moving my mascara wand. Um, how many seconds I was holding the curling iron for. It really became a lot to handle. And so that's when probably about four years ago, I decided it was like, we, we have to do something different. I have to switch up. And I did try antidepressants again. And that was a horrible experience. They switched me between three different ones over the course of three to four months. And the dose was way too high. I became a zombie. Um, and then I was in grad school and grad school is an incredibly stressful environment. And so amidst all of those things, my quality of life, I was achieving a ton. I was in, I mean, on the outside, no one would have known how I was feeling internally, which was, holy crap, I feel like this is running my life. Um, and so I quit the PhD program one, because I felt like that was the best I, uh, for me career wise, but two, it's, it was, it's too much stress. Um, and then when I moved, I, it, it sort of reset that control. So I guess what I would tell people listening about managing it is what I have learned is that OCD feeds on our fears and it thrives when we feel out of control, when we feel uncertain about things. And so what I've had to realize is that we, we can't control everything. Um, and, and that is what I had to be okay with first. And then I sort of had to unlearn some of these behaviors. I had to realize that it was going to take me five more minutes to talk myself down from flicking the light switch, but I wasn't going to do it. And I would just stand there in front of the light switch talking myself down from having to flick it until I felt calm about it and didn't need to do it. And then I slowly did that with each one of the behaviors that was happening and it has made a world of difference. Wow. So you recognize that I'm, I feel the compulsion to do this, but I know that I don't want to. And you would literally stand there, even though you could just have 
satisfied that compulsion by just completing the task that it asked you to do, but you spoke to it and said, I'm not doing that today. Yeah, and I truly believe it becomes more of a learned behavior because as I kept, from the time I was 13 up until a few years ago, I kept feeding it. I kept doing it more and more would get added. I would have to, um, what else would I would have to do? I would start counting my steps when I was walking um, and I had to end with a certain foot going forward. And that becomes obvious to people. You don't want to have to do that. And so... I, I learned that every time I was doing it, 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 it's like not enough. I then would have to do another thing to, to feed the compulsion. And so I had to break that cycle of learned behavior and sort of rewire my brain to know, say, no, okay, I can, I can stop this. Okay. So thank you so much for sharing that. I have so many questions going on in my head right now. (laughs) How how do you, why do you feel so open in explaining this right now? Do you ever feel ashamed of it or was it something you were embarrassed by or how, how did accepting it play out in your life? I've never wanted to play a victim to it. I've never wanted it to be my identity. It's just something that I've had to deal with. Um, and so I've gotten comfortable talking about it it was it was hard at first because you know you think you're crazy and and I knew I wasn't and so I just knew that this was something that I was gonna have to learn to deal with and it was hard on my parents for a long time because they saw the suffering in a way that you know my friends didn't always and and they couldn't do anything to fix it and so one of the hardest things for me has been knowing the pain that it, you know, has caused in, in my family too. They don't want to see me going through some of the things that it's caused and there weren't any resources to help them. And there weren't really any good resources that felt good to me. I tried some support groups and I am not a support group person. Uh, It just just did not, it did not work well for me. Um, Talking about it in that context just felt like I was making it worse. Being surrounded by um, other people who were having worse, worse um, tendencies than me, I felt like it was adding to my own. And Mm -hmm. so today I feel comfortable talking about it because I know there are young people out there who don't have the resources that they need. And I am happy to share my experience so that they can, you know, hopefully feel a more, um, feel like someone understands without, and can give them some resources without having to do things that might make them more uncomfortable, like going to a a support group. Well, those people who are listening and are connecting with your story, How can they reach out to you? Where can they find you to learn more about your progress and to cheer you on? Yeah, so I'm actually in the process of of writing up some resources for this. So I would love if they reached out. The best way to get a hold of me is to email me, um, alyssa at alyssapatmus.com. And I can send you over some things that I'm working on and give you a sneak peek of that. Um, And I would say that's the best way. You're listening to Mental Illness, Mental Brilliance. I am your host, T. Erica Patterson, and I'll talk to you soon.